Our brand new podcast is here. In Under the Hood, we lift the lid on the banking infrastructure that's shaking up the financial services industry. In partnership with Synapse, we'll explore a different area of banking tech every Thursday and talk to experts around the world. Head to your favorite podcast app and follow Under the Hood to catch the latest episode. And welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Sarah Kachansky. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things financial assistance and female stereotypes. The 8th of March this year is International Women's Day and the theme of the day is Choose to Challenge. So on today's show, we're choosing to challenge why fintech app assistants are overwhelmingly female, what this means for the industry, and particularly for the view of women in the industry, and whether app assistants should have a name or a gender at all. To dive into this topic, I'm joined by some excellent guests. First up, we have Emily Nicole, fintech correspondent at Financial News. Uh, welcome to the show, Emily. This episode was inspired by your article, actually, on the prevalence of female fintech assistants. So we're very excited to have you with us. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'm actually excited to talk about it with you, Sarah, as well, because I, I featured you in it as one of my experts. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was there, there is a quote that I don't think I will ever live down about uh, Mad Men-style <laughs> secretary yeah. polls. <laughs> I'll probably end up on my gravestone. Joining Emily and uh, making her fintech Tech Insider debut. We have Soledad Abad, UX and content designer at BBVA. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks. Uh, great to be here with us. And I love to speak about uh, Blue. So great experience for me now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for coming along. Next up, also making her FinTech Insider debut, we have Elise Nunn, head of product data at Plum. Welcome. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks. I hope you're doing well really excited to be part of this conversation and hopefully I can add some plum color to the discussion but yeah super excited thank you all puns intended I'm sure and last but not least also making her fintech insider debut we have Amanda Curry who's a PhD student at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh and also co-host of the podcast Let's Chat Ethics welcome to the show Amanda how are you doing good I'm really happy to be here I'm looking forward to the discussion could you start off by giving us a quick overview of, of what your PhD is on, actually? I think the other ladies' job titles speak for themselves, but um, PhD student is a little vague. So could you give us a bit more colour? Absolutely. So my PhD is actually very specifically looking at the sort of responses that systems like Alexa and Siri, so these conversational assistants, give to abusive or sort of aggressive prompts from the user, so responses to sexual harassment. And there's been studies, some done by me, but also other articles showing that these responses tend to be either evasive or actually very flirtatious, um, which mm. I think <laughs> is probably, you know, problematic, giving some warning signs. Yeah, definitely problematic. And it was actually one of the issues that was highlighted in, in the UNESCO report that was published a couple of years ago. So my PhD is looking at how the systems respond and how they should respond. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure you'll have plenty to add here then. Let's start off with a short summary, shall we? So let's look at what the status quo is. Emily, given you did quite a lot of research on this, I'll kick off with you. You know, is this what, what's the prevalence of, of female or gendered digital financial assistance right now? Yeah, so um, my article is kind of intended to be a jumping off point for someone to do this research for us. So if there's anyone listening who wants to, please take it on. But I noticed that a lot of the financial assistant apps that are out there in fintech are named after women. That's not to say all of them are and not say even that most of them are, but more than enough are for it to be a growing trend at this point. We've got Clio, 
there's digital banks named after women like Lydia and Anna Money, and then some in-app chatbots as well, like Revolut's Rita and Bank of America's Erica. So there's obviously a growing trend of naming these assistants after women in an effort to personalise them. But there's also another side to that that we should probably consider is, is what does naming these products after women and giving them at times a proper female gender, specifically in the example of Clio, what does that do in terms of teaching us how we view women in not just the workplace, but in terms of controllers of financial value and whether or not that we're perpetuating this idea that they are servants to our every whim and need and anything that we ask of them, they should do happily without question. Yeah, I mean, um, we'll dig into the kind of the, the impact of these assistances a little bit later on. But um, to take a sort of a step back for listeners who perhaps aren't quite sure what we're talking about, say, let's go into kind of what, what, what these digital assistants are and, and what the benefits are to customers. So, um, some Soledad, would you like to start us off on that? Our vision had a, a few points in, in mind uh, for the value uh, proposition, no? The first one is the personalization, one of the VVA's aspiration. And we, we found in Blue a new channel to transmit it. The convenience to be able to contact a type of personal manager without having to make calls or send emails, no, and, and to be able to do some from practically anywhere. The third point is make help more agile as we're not uh, dependent to an individual's personal efficiency. The response is immediately. And finally, allow customers to express themselves in their own words, uh, in a natural way, uh, without having to use gay words. Absolutely. I mean, Elise, does that sort of fit with, you know, how Plum views some of its assistant type features? Yeah, I guess just to give a high level view, I think like the term financial assistant is quite broad. But I think, you know, in terms of who Plum sees as its audience, around 60% of Plum customers are female versus, for example, if you look at more generally, like the use of internet banking per se and neobanks, like women are still more likely to choose traditional banks and like only 34%, I believe, actually use a neobank as a primary bank, for example. But I think also the usage of apps as well, it it depends on what functionality specifically you're talking about. So whether it's kind of prime banking transactional functionality, but as you've seen, like a lot of the financial assistants, some being like Plum, Clio, kind of these apps that sit on top of other apps, perhaps, they have a lot of different features and functionality. So you can actually split by feature the kind of usage by demographic as well. So although 60% of Plum users are women, if you look at the usage of our investment product, 60% of the customers are men. And if you look at who invests, well, women are more likely to invest in the clean and green fund and men are more likely to invest in, I don't know, slightly more risky ventures, let's call it. In that sense, like we're very keen to use data, like understand who our customers are, which part of the products they're using, which part of the products they're not using, why, to build, you know, like a more customizable, tailored and just clear product for the people that use it. Yeah. I mean, I think what's come across from both of your answers is that the idea of these digital assistants is they are supposed to provide a more personalized service and they're supposed to make life a bit easier for you when you're managing your money. So if that's, you know, I know there's other things that sit on top of that, but that's almost the core need for them. And then, you know, as you say, if you're a woman using it, maybe you do have different needs from an assistant than if you're a man and then, you know, down into more and more more splits. Amanda, I just wanted to, to bring you in here to talk about the fact about, if we're talking about digital assistants, I think possibly what will come to people's minds before the idea of a banking 
Assistant or something like Plum is Google, Home, Alexa, Siri. You know, financial services that can also be delivered by those services. You know, you can check your bank balance using Alexa and you can find out stock prices in Google Home and things like that. Do you think that having those general assistants delivering financial advice being inherently female is, is part of the problem here? Does that make part of the problem worse? Um, I mean, I think that because Google and Alexa and those sort of systems, they're, they're already inherently problematic in the way that they're designed, even without the addition of the, the financial services, right? So I don't know specifically the addition of being able to get financial service information also adds to that. What are some of the problems with the way they're designed from your research and your findings? Oh, right. So obviously the, the way they're gendered, but the type of language they, they use, you know, they tend to be very apologetic and very like, sort of eager to serve. So it used to be that Alexa, for example, was, I think, one of the, the maybe the worst offenders. If you insulted her, sometimes she would apologize or it would apologize to you and suggest that you leave feedback on Amazon.com if you were unhappy. So that is... Definitely very problematic, I think. And I think that reflects on all the other applications that are part of the app. And I know that the companies do have sort of style guides for the personality of the apps that they design to go as skills into Alexa, for example. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I completely understand that if there's you know, the underlying problems with Alexa, anything you build on top of that, well, you know, the, the problem is still at the core, the root. So the financial service isn't going to be non-problematic because what it's built on is problematic. So, I mean, I, I suppose, at least does Plum have a personality? Like, did, is there a character for Plum? Because Cleo definitely has a personality. And for example, Rita, which is Revolut's chatbot, has a, a name and agenda. And, you know, as Amanda just said, Alexa has a very, you know, apologetic personality. That's like a human trait. Does, does Plum have a persona? <laughs> Plum has a persona, yes. I, I think it's Plum's your friend. It's someone that you can rely on for, you know, sound advice, someone that you can trust. I think it's friendly. It's it's not condescending. I think either the assistant can come in two forms, which is this overly apologetic tone, like Amanda said, or I don't want to roast Cleo to use some of its language itself, but they have like a kind of roasting mode. So it can be quite condescending, like, oh, you spent £790 on your rent last month. Like, whoa. It's like, well, I'm living in London. So yeah. <laughs> That's cheap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it can kind of swing between two modes. So I think I wouldn't say it has a, a crazily overt character. I think, you know, hopefully it's neutral enough that anyone can find their way with Plum. Um, but it's friendly enough that it's, you know, it doesn't have the financial jargon. Hopefully it kind of lowers the boundary for people joining like the fintech space and, and using these services to manage their money. And they can feel comfortable when using Plum as well. But it definitely has a friendly personality. But a gender-neutral personality, which is, I suppose, important. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Emily, just to just to finish up this section, what did you when you were doing? You know, you, I know you spoke to or tried to speak to um, a number of providers of these tools and services. Did anybody tell you like what they thought the benefits were of ascribing a, a gender or a name to to these products? Did they say, "Oh, we do it because"? A, B, C, D. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't manage to speak to anybody for the first round because either they were not contactable or they didn't just didn't have avenues for reaching them properly. But about a week later, Clio posted a follow-up blog post in response to what I'd written. And they said that they believed that giving Clio 
a female gender, a female name, referring to her as she, she is fully, fully female in every aspect, was a feminist decision because we don't see enough women in finance. That's perfectly true. And putting a woman in a position of authority over your money to them is uh, like a way of moving forward with that agenda. Um, But I think part of the issue there is that often Clio is described by the company as sassy, sexy, savage, devastatingly (laughs) knowledgeable, um, and there are, just for the listeners, <laughs> Emily, pause. I mean, the faces I can see on this call. I wish we could screen grab them. They are priceless. Sorry, yeah. Emily, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, actually, I've got it up in front of me. She's sassy, devastatingly smart, sexy, and savage. Trained in assisting users with financial queries and roasting their frivolous spending decisions. And to me, when I see that, in my own opinion, anyway that reads as the other side of feminism where in order for women to be strong they have to be this like girl boss agenda where they you know are in charge and can hit back twice as hard as a man can and it brings up this idea of why do we even need a gender at all and if that's our way of showing women in a gender equal way is it even worth it is it the right way to be doing this yeah, and I think I think that takes us nicely on to the next section, which is nobody's yet convinced me that they need to have a gender. You know, I, I think perhaps to, just to pick up on Emily's point that the the, the words you just used to describe there and, and the you know the argument you've given it, you know, about I, I'm completely with you. It, it can be damaging, you know, giving these these assistance genders. It's it's reinforcing what we would consider negative stereotypes. And, you know, I think as, as, as five working women, our opinion is very valid on this subject. You know, I, I suppose the question there is that what are the moral and ethical implications of making something gendered? Do you think anybody thinks that through? Um, Amanda, I know you're actually, you're actually an expert on ethics. In fact, you're a podcast host. So what's, what's your take on this? Ah, oh. <laughs> sorry, I'm still thinking about those, those descriptions. I'm like, what are, what are they thinking? <laughs> um, I mean, I think there's clearly a problem in terms of stereotyping. And there's kind of many levels of why it's problematic. So on the one hand, I know that a lot of people are worried about behavior transference and what are we learning about how we should interact with, with humans from the interactions that we're having with these systems, especially because there's been research showing that we actually apply the same social scripts to, to these machines that we do to, to normal humans, to actual humans, sorry, not normal humans. <laughs> um. So that's certainly problematic, but we also need to think about what it says about the way that our society sees women specifically, because there's also been studies showing that these systems, for example, that have female personas are more likely to to receive abuse from the users, much more likely than gender neutral or masculine chatbots. And also that abuse is much more likely to be sexual and they get a lot more questions about their physical appearance and their like sexuality and all of that. And that really sort of reflects and mimics what we see happening with women on social media. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. When you're creating a chatbot or a, or a digital assistant that has a gendered persona, what are you reinforcing? You need to think that through as you're designing the product. You know, what might you be doing beyond just creating a product? Soledad, your assistant at BBVA is, is called Blue, and it's it's genderless. It's uh, rather like Plum. It has no ascribed gender. Why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to go down that route? So uh, as as we were aware of of the harmful biases among assistants and people who use them, 
and we want to to avoid them no so we work on building an identity and a personality with this approach we find two challenges how we we are going to to express it in textual terms and how it uh, was to be heard because spanish is a gender uh, language so in text context there is a, a very uh, intense exercise uh, on the part of our conversational designer because they are working to ensure inclusivity in in the language and this is a, a, a very big challenge and when we tried to put genderless uh, boys uh, heard boys we uh, carried uh, out uh, some tests to find this neutral voice inspired by q an experiment that was created to find a neutral personality for for voice assistants and in the end it was decided that it uh, could only interact through text and could not have a, a heard voice for from root I was just going to say, yeah, so Q is the, um, for those who don't know it, you can look it up, but it's described as meet the first um, gender neutral voice assistant. It's very, very difficult is the point when you when you hear a voice, to go back to Amanda's point about, you know, training, your, your brain automatically ascribes a gender to it. Even if it's not clear, your brain still tries to, to put it <laughs> in a box. Yeah. And I think it's particularly, um, just to, to Soledad's point, that Spanish being a gendered language makes your job even harder than it is for perhaps, you know, those of us working in English. Yeah. Just to add a little point there as well, I think Plum doesn't have, a, yeah, like a voice in the sense of an audio voice. And I think one of the ways in particular, kind of with chatbots, but just with kind of the, the friendly application, I guess, that Plum is, the way that Plum interacts with his customers, it's, it's kind of a, on an I and you basis. So there's no kind of he, she it, the actual, the conversationless setting lends itself very nicely to to the I and you. And the I and you can be very much, mm. it, to a degree, whoever, whoever Plum is for that person and then whoever the I is, which I think mm-hmm. lends itself nicely to, to not having to impose gender throughout the product as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that's driven me mad for years, I mean, maybe Emily, you have the same problem, but as, as a writer, I have always used they. So if I'm talking about a customer or a user, they might want to do this because they in as a singular in English is perfectly acceptable. It's not a new thing. Like, you know, he and she and they have, have all been acceptable terminologies for, for hundreds of years. So that just drives me nuts when people write and they say a user he or a user she. No, it's a good point though because in other languages, the, the they isn't necessarily used as much. So you have like il, elle in French, but if instead you create a more conversationalist app with je and tu or je and vous, then there's no such thing as, oh goodness, do we do we use il, elle or le robot? I don't know. <laughs> but it kind of enables you to circumvent that problem and not have to have this gendered situation. Yeah, no, it's, it's, the language is, is super interesting as well. I, I think, you know, on, on a broader point, what do we think about the fact that I can definitely off the top of my head think of more female examples than I can male examples. Like it's actually, I'm actually struggling and I spend all day every day looking at this stuff, looking at these assistants. What do we think that says about the prevalence or diversity within the finance industry, within the tech industry? Do we think this is a product of there being fewer women within those two industries? You know, I'm not going to put it with any arguments that says there aren't fewer women because there are fewer women. Do we think that's that's what's partly what's causing this? I don't know. Amanda, do you want to, to go first I know you've probably looked into the tech side of this 
Yeah, so I think that's definitely an aspect. And it is something that, for example, the UNESCO report sort of makes a point that because there's such a lack of diversity in AI that this is reflected. But I was also reading that regardless of a designer's own sort of demographics, we always imagine the end user being a young white man. So I wonder to what extent that actually, like, I think it does affect it, but I'm skeptical to say that definitely having a gender balance in in a team is going to solve that problem. Also, because I think women, we still have the same stereotypes, I think. Uh, So we might be more aware of them and so more able to actively fight them. But at the end of the day, I think if I ask any women to close their eyes and picture an assistant, the first thing that's going to come to your mind is probably sadly still a woman Mm. yeah no no I I think that's fair there's there's a diversity problem within the industry which is you know it's been picked up before and in fact Emily you you referenced it in your article didn't you that you know if you've got a more diverse team you're going to have a better product whether that's gender or or background or whatever because those people will have different life experiences and they will go well that doesn't work for me or I don't do that or you know whatever Emily that was there something you know when you looked into it did you dig into this problem of diversity in the industry was it something you looked at I did a little bit just because I needed to kind of to beef up a bit of UNESCO's report because I also cited that too in terms of how it then relates to fintech and I think definitely in fintech we do still have a lack of women particularly in UX teams and software development engineering and that can only come with being able to highlight and propel the work of groups like Women Who Code. There are quite a few groups now set up, at least in London, to try and get more women into tech, which is a great effort. Because I think now, especially in in the wider sense, there are many more initiatives in trying to encourage diversity and inclusion across major companies, particularly in London in the FTSE 350. And with that, then comes just a wider recognition everywhere that more diversity, more inclusion means better products, more profit. It's now widely accepted that companies who are more diverse are more profitable. So there's no real reason for fintech assistants to not really consider it in the same way. And Clio made a good point that 75% of its UX writing team, at least those who are writing responses, are women. And that's a great thing that they have. It's definitely, if they're going to be doing it, at least they're doing it with a better gender balance than you thought they might have. But that doesn't necessarily excuse the way in which Clear has been characterised anyway. Sorry to pick on them, but they're just the ones that responded to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. You, you have evidence for, I mean, Clear spoke to you and, and gave you the data, but that is really interesting that, you know, so many of their writing team are women and yet they still, they're women, they still allow this description, mm-hmm. you know, those words you used, they were from Clear, right? The, these descriptive words to be used about it. I, I don't know, at least, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you, I, I don't know, what's your team at Plum like, actually? Do you have, what's the gender balance there? Not to put you on the spot. No, no, so, um, before we get to that, I was just thinking, what would the names be if we stopped departing from the concept of a financial assistant and we just, I don't know, it was like your financial manager or your coach or something like that. Maybe suddenly we'd wake up tomorrow and everyone, like all our apps would be called Bob or something, you know, Rita would become Robert, like, you know, following the, the, the current visions that some businesses have. But I think, yeah, in terms of our team, it's pretty balanced. So actually our two mobile chapter leads, we call it. So the person who's in charge of our Android mobile development and also our person who's in charge of all our iOS development. So that's basically like the engineering part that takes the designs and makes it into the UX. 
those are, are both women. We have women also on our development team as well and as part of our design team as well. So it's it's pretty balanced. I guess then in terms of outreach to customers as well, like the marketing team, customer support, you know, that is, yeah, um, as well, you know, pretty balanced to be honest as well. But I think, yeah, when we're looking at application design in particular, not not just kind of marketing and outreach, I think that's where... It, it is hard, like, especially as emerging companies that aren't like on the, the FTSE 350, um, for example, to attract not only all the best talent right at the beginning, but also like women are in short supply in these skill sets currently. So you have to make like a real concerted effort to find these people and, and attract them to your product. But like that effort, you know, pays off, I think, as, as you find these people in your team. Mm. What do we think about the fact that I'm just thinking this through, uh, maybe one for you, Amanda. Do you think that Alexa and Siri and Google Home being female maybe makes women more comfortable, like, thinking about themselves, like, I could do that, like, I could be in tech? Like, I'm just just trying to think that thought pattern through. Do you think there's something about the fact that, you know, oh, well, Alexa's a woman, Alexa's a piece of technology, so maybe I could work in technology, or am I taking that (laughs) too far? Uh, I think maybe, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it was also part of the the UNESCO report where they asked people to name a woman in tech, and most people could only say Alexa. <laughs> oh dear. That was just very unfortunate. I mean, actually, I do know some younger girls who, through interacting with Alexa, have become more interested in in tech. So maybe it's not a completely massive leap, but I guess there's. Mm still steps along the way that might make women less interested in, in being in tech. Because I think tech not only has a problem with women getting interested in it in the first place, but they also tend to leave um, that area more than mm-hmm. than men. I mean, uh, Soledad, what about your team? Is it mostly men, mostly women, or do you have a mix? Well, thinking only in, in, in Blue's team, product uh, design and, and develop, uh, we, we have... Uh, a balance, no? Uh, we have a, a a very very balanced team in gender. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and I and I wonder this isn't a, a topic for for this podcast, but I wonder how that differs around the world because I've I've had conversations before where particularly in Eastern Europe, there tend to be more women, that that pool you're talking about, at least of women, is much bigger. There are just a lot more women in technology in those parts of the world for for various cultural reasons. Okay, well, let's move on to what might happen next. So we've mentioned some problems. There are clearly some problems here. We've got problems of, of people treating these assistants badly because of their gender. We've got stereotypes being perpetuated by these assistants. What do we do to stop that happening? I suppose there's two points there. One is on the the design part, perhaps. And another is perhaps on the, when they're talking about how they respond, obviously AI can only do what you teach it. And the way we're teaching AI a lot of the time right now, we're using bad bad, I would say in inverted commas, gendered or, or, or disproportionate or not um, not disaggregated data. I suppose that's what you want. You should be using disaggregated data if you're going to, to teach an AI something to, to see what the differences are between men and women. So to at least to your point, you know, you, you were looking at the fact that, okay, we have this many percentage of women, but actually if you look at investments, it's the percentage change, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I suppose... There's two questions there, but, uh, you know, maybe take it in your own way if you like. What do we need to to change here to stop these problems? Um, Yeah, I mean, to some extent, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, I think for me, it's unlikely that the companies are going to change. For example, I I don't see Amazon changing Alexa's voice or 
I think now actually you can buy like famous people's voices so your Alexa can talk like some celebrity. Emily's nodding along there. Have you, have you tried this, Emily? <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's for only some specific apps or if you can suddenly really have Samuel L. Jackson giving you a recipe or something that sounds probably quite fun. Um, but I think beyond that, companies need to make more of an effort. If you are going to gender your chatbot, think more about what the implications are because for example i always like to think about the the tv show suits there's donna who i think has a more sort of assertive persona and there there's actually an episode where they make a sort of voice assistant off of donna that seems like slightly more interesting personality but i also think there's a maybe a bit of a problem with gendering them and making them so human in a way. Because I know that the companies are very explicit in saying, oh, we, we don't want them to be really human-like. You know, they never pretend to be human. But to me, that's questionable when they have things like pets and sort of likes, dislikes. Um. That's interesting, Elise. Did you, do you want to speak to that perhaps about the, the, the human element? So, if you, you know, Plum is obviously designed to, to be human to a certain extent if it's supposed to be your friend although I have yeah. maybe people have friends who are plants I don't know yeah I think I would add I think the the next step is you know whenever you're building an app or a product or creating something new considering even like just do we even need a gender you know as as the first question before like going into how we may or may not present what what gender I think you don't necessarily need to have a specific gender to for something to have, you know, a character or to have some human attributes. I mean, there's a whole study on like, was it anthropomorphology, which is animals having human traits. So, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that, yeah, you need a gender to have forcibly character or or some kind of like something potentially human about you. So I think like, you know, definitely moving towards a world where yeah we can kind of strip the gender away potentially I think as well like you know a third of plum customers are gen z and I think you know there's more questions even you know when you're filling out forms and people ask whether you're female or male like why is that even relevant um if I apply for a loan you know okay maybe in the 1950s when like 95 percent of women were at home Back then, you know, the forms now still ask you, you know, when you're when you're going to ask for a loan, are you a woman, etc. Um, so I think there's there's so much prejudice bound in all of that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we're moving to a world where like more and more of our customers and, and more and more of like people are like, don't, yeah, wh- why is it useful for me to tell you like that level of detail on who I am? And also there's so much data that is more telling, like not about my gender, but that is more helpful for a financial assistant, quote unquote, to help me with my spending, like my transactional data rather than whether I'm male or female, et cetera. Um, so I think, yeah, also moving beyond kind of that paradigm. Yeah, we're talking a little bit now about the the future here and how, how we correct some of the problems that we've identified. You know, Emily, when you were through your article, did you come to a conclusion? Did you come to sort of any opinions, I suppose, or thoughts about what we need to do next or what fintech should do next? Was there anything that you could see was an obvious path forward or even, even some suggested paths forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious conclusion here is that at a bare minimum, for the things that we can't change, because as Amanda said, the likelihood of these companies changing their, their names or changing their approaches is quite low. 
at least there's a bare minimum their developing teams and data sets that they train their assistants on should be as gender free as possible, as unbiased as possible. Because there's also a lot of things we have to take into account in terms of unconscious bias and not just actually even about gender and and women, but also LGBTQ people and people of colour and other minorities that can be disproportionately affected when a team is overwhelmingly in one ballpark, which is usually young, white, cis, male, straight. So going forward, that, that that's probably the biggest thing that companies can do. And I think most of them are trying to work on that. I, I think it is quite recognised in the industry that's something that all companies need to achieve. Obviously, it would be nice if, if some of the ones that already exist did try and pivot, particularly for those that are kind of in-app assistants that aren't necessarily an entire product in their own right, like Revolut's Rita or Bank of America's Erica. They're just assistants to help in addition to the main product of bank account. Um, that those companies offer but you know we can only wish I guess for that kind of stuff and potentially in future maybe it'll make more companies think about whether or not these things should be just not gendered at all. Yeah yeah I mean that would be a nice status quo to get to. Just just to pick back up on the point of data maybe one for you Soledad. Blue is it, is it trained on data? Is it, uh, is it sort of you know is it an algorithm? How much how much of it is automatic I suppose is my question. Uh, Blue is is being trained by people. So there are some uh, conversational designers writing some text, but with the use, uh, we uh, work in new text and in new uh, forms to to communicate and to respond. It is, like I say uh, before, we want uh, people uh, use their natural words, know our keywords. So so we are working to, to train Blue for a better communication and more natural communication with, with the users. Absolutely. Yes. So so if you're if you're if you're using data to train it to respond, then you need to use data sets. At least, you know, I think I think data that's in your job title, is it not? So I'm sure you have some thoughts perhaps about this. But what do you think that's something that needs to be looked at again, you know, uh, about this idea of what data are we using? Whether that's data used to train AI or whether that's, you know, and, and Plum uses a lot of AI. Yeah data for analysis like who's using the product yeah i think i'm going to say something very undatary even though my role has data in it but i think we tend in the data world to try and take all of our learnings from the data a very simple way is to also like take yourself out of that world and speak to your customers speak to the female people that are using your product and that aren't using your product or who are and aren't using different products and find out like literally speak to them and find out what the problems are And then you can use that in tandem with the data that you collect through various means to then make decisions. Because I think one, we are like a completely data-driven world these days, and it's very easy to kind of wrap yourself into this black box and just keep going forever. But I think like it's actually really important to take yourself out of that. And like we regularly do, you know, calls with customers, like have feedback sessions with customers, like obviously not in person right now, but virtually because I think it's very easy to lose touch even though you kind of feel in the middle of it when you've got millions of lines of data so I actually would say as a data person don't forget the real world scenario of actually speaking to your customers or people that aren't your customers as well because if you're just looking at your customer base if your customer base is primarily one thing or or the other thing then that data in and of itself is going to be biased so yeah keeping that door open as well 
yeah, I mean, as an analyst, that makes me happy because you need both qual and quant data before you can, uh, yeah, Amanda's nodding. She understands. <laughs> you need you need the extra layer on top. All right, well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up with a question, which is if you're going to use a service and there's going to be an assistant there, it could be a chat bot or it could be a voice assistant, what do you want what do you know to, to Elise's point there what what do you want it to look like and you know is you know whether that's gender neutral or whether that's friendly you know what are the characteristics that you would like to see so Emily what do you want what do you do you want and perhaps you know what what's your ideal future for a, for a financial assistant you might want a unicorn for a liner yeah I mean if I'm thinking about what I would want in terms of something that was kind of in app it wouldn't be you know like anything with agenda would be an informative service because I think when people say oh okay so you want something gender free they then tend to go down the anthropomorphized route of being like okay I want a, a unicorn or a robot or a rainbow with arms and a face to talk to and that's not necessarily needed either because really ultimately what we're looking for from these assistants is a source of information and a source of authority on a topic and when they then can't answer your questions it gets put back to something more senior which in, in generally tends to be a person and that's another layer actually of why using women is problematic because it gives this impression that when a woman can't answer a question she has to go to a higher authority to ask for her and therefore women aren't in those higher authority positions so that's kind of what I imagine but then if we're looking at the idea of an app that is an assistant in itself something like Clear or Plum or whatever I do think that something like Plum or Chip or the the other assistants that are more gender neutral are the are better suited simply because I mean Chip for example is a little debit card that's pretty perfect Plum is a fruit it's not that one even then isn't anthropomorphized like chips is and those are various options that you can see where you still feel like you're getting help and you still feel like you're receiving information without necessarily having to think about the personality of the product yeah so it's possible to have human elements without it being anthropomorphized which the human elements would be i suppose you know to come to you amanda you know it's conversational doesn't necessarily have to equal you know a certain stereotype I mean, what, what would you like to see if you had your way of, of you know what would you what would the ideal version of Alexa look like yeah so I think um, Emily makes an interesting suggestion yeah that they should be sort of very they sound almost austere right very sort of pragmatic genderless no personality and I think that will work quite well with something very specific like getting your financial information for example but in terms of Alexa, I think it has been framed in a way that it's slightly more than just a purely transactional thing, right? And I think part of that is because people have tried to have more conversation, like chit-chat conversation with, with Alexa the way that you might with a human. And I think that can be helpful in terms of getting more people to, to use Alexa, because I think one of the problems with the systems is that, you know, when you've got a graphical interface, you can see all the options. Uh, whereas with Alexa, having less obviously useful things can teach you sort of how to interact with it. So I am interested also in, in having it be gender neutral. But yeah, I, I can't really see it being a very like sort of cut and dry, like this is what you get. I, th I think what we're getting to is that we all like the idea of gender neutral, but there have to be different tones, not necessarily personalities, but different tones and different language depending on the use case in question. So Alexa, what's the weather like versus 
what the hell happened to my money? Why is my account empty? You probably want a different sort of response from, from what you're interacting with. Elise, how about you? Yeah, I, I think I like the, the tone comment. And I think one thing I would add, I guess, in particular for kind of fintech apps is also to a degree we need to make sure that like finance is already something that's quite scary you know especially when you're going into the realm of investing that kind of thing like there's already a relatively high barrier to entry and there's still i mean you know if you sign up to something on hsbc there's still a lot of jargon reading through all the stuff that's like exhausting um so i think whilst we're trying to create an app that 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 is friendly um genderless friendly but that has the right tone i think it also needs to especially in the kind of financial field be jargon free and be like simple and accessible maybe as you know simple 101 but like it has to be said that i don't think many apps or financial apps in particular have made finance you know i'll plug plum here but like it's it's not something that's easy to do so having that kind of more simplistic accessible tone but also having character yeah it's it's a, it's a tough blend so i think it's something that um we'll move towards yeah i think i think that's that that point um sorry Amanda, i was going to say that ties in nicely with what, with what soledad was saying earlier about natural language you know i want to ask you a question in the language i understand not the keywords you want me to put into the box Amanda, did you want to make a quick point? Yeah, I think it's very interesting to talk about the the sort of language and how to adjust it. I was reading about um, some of these assistants or, or chatbots that are used to help children learning, right? So maybe now that a lot of people are homeschooled. And apparently they've shown that if a chatbot uses more casual language and maybe even roast to you, a little, not roast, but you know, it might swear a little bit uh, gently. Actually, children tend to learn more. So yeah, I think it's very important to adjust the, the kind of language that you're using based on the, the use case, absolutely. That's something that I would definitely like to know more about is how children interact with these services because I can imagine them thinking that they can get away with saying things to Alexa that they, you know, naughty words that their parents wouldn't let them say. That I don't have kids, I'm just speculating. My little brother and sister are nine and seven and they mainly ask Alexa to play fart noises, so. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. Salida, you know, final question for you. What does your ideal digital assistant look like? I think uh, the, the ideal assistant uh, had a, a very solid uh, personality and defined identity because uh, it's necessary to define how you are going to communicate things or the kind of light conversation you, you are going to, to offer, no? because that is what you can differentiate you from, the, from other similar services. But I think it's not so clear there is any benefit in applying a, a gender in all sector, not or not only on on financial sector. No, when when I describe blue, or when when we describe blue, uh, we say it's a honest and professional, and and is modern and had a sense of humor. No, it's necessary. For, for this uh, conversation, but it's not uh, vinculated to a, to a male or female uh, role. Yeah, and it comes back to tone. Again, I think exactly what you're saying. It has, it has to have the right a, a tone to be approachable when you need it to be approachable, friendly when you need it to be friendly, authoritative when you need it to be authoritative, but you don't need to be a man or a woman to be those things because those are gender stereotypes and we all hate those. <laughs> 
So on that point, I'm going to wrap up today's discussion. Thank you all so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and your companies? Um, Emily, I'll start with you. Perhaps where can people find that article um, that, yeah. that you wrote? So you can find the article on the Financial News website, fnlondon.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. I've linked it there as well, which is at Emily J. Nicole. Perfect. Soledad, how about you? Do you have a LinkedIn or website you'd like to share? Uh, yes, uh, you can find me at LinkedIn or Medium. Also, my publication, I primarily in Spanish. That's fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we have we have listeners from all over. Um, I'm sure people, you know, we we've discussed we've discussed the the particular Spanish language pieces today. So, you know, people can go and find you there. Elise, how about you? Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn as Elise Nunn. Equally, if you want to find out more about Plum, um, you can head to withplum.com over to our website, or if you want to download us, then. Uh, Go to the iOS or, or Play Store and just type in Plum and you'll find us there. But yeah, thank you. Brilliant. And Amanda, where can people find your podcast? I wouldn't normally tell people to go and find another podcast, but yours sounds really interesting. Yeah, so our podcast is available anywhere where podcasts are available. You can find us on Twitter at Let's Chat Ethics and you can find me on Twitter at Kareed Amanda. <laughs> Perfect. And you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Kajansky. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, do subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps to make it better and it helps others to find the show as always if you want to join the conversation you can find us on social media just search for 11fs or fintech insider or you can email podcast 11fs.com thank you so much for listening goodbye goodbye